Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not ready to roll with it. Oh, you're ready. I feel it. Uh, welcome uh, back, everybody, to another episode. Tony, how you feeling? You ready to roll with it? I'm feeling good. Uh, awesome. We switched these to the mornings, and anybody that knows me knows I'm not the best morning person, but I'm going to try to match John's energy here. There you go. I like it. So there we are. What are we talking about today? Uh, I believe today we're talking about some of the motivations behind uh, uh, why we do real estate. So sometimes this gets easy to get mired in the muck and the mess. I think your cat was about to join us for the episode, so I'm sneak by. But uh, anyway. Not surprised. Yeah, so I think that we're doing this as the first part of kind of a series. Um, I kind of wanted to do this because recently, recently, probably within the past year and a half or so, I've kind of been drifting closer and closer to actually sort of, you know, considering myself more fi. I think that if you broke it down in numbers, I've probably been there for a good bit of time, but I wasn't actually collecting any of the money from anything that was any investments that were generating them. I was just piling them back into investments. So we wanted to start a series of episodes just to kind of just talk about our journey to reaching financial independence thrown in with some things that hopefully you'll get out of it um, to help inform your own, your own path. So just begin to begin kind of start at just why anybody starts in the beginning um we'll go through our own stories and then maybe some things that i know from friends or what gets people motivated i think uh on that point i read a book a while ago that talked about how there's things that push you and there's things that pull you Mm. And your motivations will be a lot stronger if you have things that are pulling you towards them rather than pushing you away from them. So those are things that are really useful to come up with whenever you're considering starting an endeavor like pursuing financial independence, because there are a lot of sacrifices that you're making to save money now so that you can have like a life of at least financial flexibility and freedom in the future. Um, For me, I call that the dark energy. Sometimes you got to use the dark energy. Like, I hate, you I hate Janice at work. I'm going to quit. <laughs> you need to do that. You got to like, whatever, stay up till midnight, get some things done for a couple of days in a row. But you can't just like only have the dark energy or you burn There's out. some Janice that you work with at your current job who's probably <laughs> now. She like, listen, it's my go to. I guess I should use Karen, right? That would be more uh, apropos. Uh, that's overused now. I like Janice. Yeah, Janice, like the bringer of dark energy. Yeah, yeah. Fills up um, your tank, but. It's like jet fuel. Can't, can't, you know, fast but short. So I guess um, on your end, what, uh, what I guess it motivated you at the beginning, what made you choose to start pursuing things in the first place? Um, I mean, I've always just kind of been that way. I've always just like, you know, it's kind of skateboardery anti kind of a guy early on in life, always little zig when everybody was zagging. And I always just felt like, man, this corporate stuff is just not for me. But I didn't know it like any other way. Like it's what my dad did. My dad's got a pension. You know, everybody around me. My mom's a teacher, you know, stepdad, same company, 30 years, same with my grandfather, yada, yada. And uh, and I was like, well, I guess this is just what you do. And uh, I remember I got a job at GE, which was like an awesome job when I was 19. 
building uh, wind turbine stuff, you know, like pretty awesome job. And I just remember going to work every day and I was like, oh no, like this, this is what I'm going to do. And then I've just got to get like a nice car and like buy diamonds for some girl or something. Like that's the whole yikes. So uh, yeah, always I was like trying to start businesses and figure out how to do something. I mean, I got all kinds of stories. I tried to start like a woman's shoe business and all kinds of terrible ideas. <clears throat> so that was more like the, the thing that was um, pushing me away. And then the thing that kind of pulled me to, I mean, very honestly, I, um, the Mr. Money mustache stuff about, hey, just get 25x your yearly expenses. That was just deeply clarifying for me. And I actually did this on a spreadsheet. Uh, once I was like, Oh, like if I just want to have $80,000 a year, I need 2 million bucks. Like, okay. I was like, wow. I mean, that's, that's a crap ton of money, but that's doable. That's not like some insane amount of money. You know, you just break it down. And, um, so that, that was like a good, uh, like a step, a rung on the ladder, so to speak. And, um, and then just lots of little things. But I mean, once, once my wife and I decided we were going to try and do family stuff and kids, I mean, uh, I remember this very distinct moment where my wife was pregnant and we visited these daycare centers because you have to put your kid in daycare. And even before the baby's born in California, you have to get on these wait lists. So that just like sucks right away. And we go, we meet this beautiful, really nice, kind woman, like beautiful soul. And she's watching four infants at the same time, which is like the legally uh, maximum amount at a daycare. And I was just like, oh man, this is what I'm going to do for my kid. That's not what I want. Like I want way more control over my situation and I, you know, I didn't love my job, lots of other stuff. And I was just like, I need to take control of my life, you know, like for sure. And I had to try to start all these other businesses. Okay. And it never worked. And then I, I'm just going to be super honest. I went to business school and I met all these real estate kids, you know, came from real estate families or wanted to do real estate. They're always so relaxed, always so calm and they weren't that smart. And I was like, man, I hate these kids. Like they don't, you know, they're just, they're like richy rich softies, you know? And I was like, I, I know if I had to go compete against them, I would crush them basically. <laughs> but who's the real idiot, right? They like, they were rich and I was working hard and I was bitter. So at a point I was just like, well, you, just do real estate, you idiot. Like just do real estate. There's a very clear playbook. It's not complicated. And by the way, you can go borrow money to do it. It's not like you need to get a hundred thousand dollars to start the business. You need like whatever, $17,000, something like that. So that was, that was, that's like my full story essentially into, you know, why I wanted FI control over my life, family, blah, blah, blah. And kind of the early, you know, early first steps of, uh, how I picked real estate to do FI. As, as far as like changes, <clears throat> would you say, I guess at the beginning, it sounds like you didn't really have, it wasn't like there was one big thing you know, individually pushing you away from what you were doing other than maybe just being unsatisfied with a job? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think how to describe the feeling. You know, I got out of work. I lived in D.C., okay? I would wake up at like 7, ride the train for an hour, wear a suit, go to some office, blah, 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 ride the train home, work long hours. And I saw, you know, people who were getting ahead, This, you know, they they did a certain thing. You, you know, you had to be smart and then you just work hard and you work more hours. Right. And, uh, and it was like, okay, but then like, for what, right. It's always like a, for what conversation. I saw yeah. all these people get tied up into like, 
you know, they cheat on their wife while they were traveling. Right. So like, you know, that kind of stuff, like some deep seated unhappiness about that, or they just, you know, they'd be working super hard, but they wouldn't have, you know, they were just like unbalanced. Right. They'd be like telling you about how they went to some cruise ship and like play craps over the weekend. And that sounds like really cool for a minute. And then you're like, wow, you do this every weekend. Like, mm. yeah, you know what I mean? So you just, uh, I mean, I was real young back then and I was just like, okay, like this is the, like the gravitational beam of the norm. You know what I mean? This is the river that I'm in right at this company in this environment. And it's like, okay, I spend this much of my time, like buying clothes, doing dry cleaning, driving. It's like, you know, you just, what part of my life do I even own? Right. Uh, and I was just like, not enough. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. My family used to own a shoe making business like way back when. So like two generations ago, and that idea is just like always like real romantic to me. It's like, look, you just, you run the shop. Mm. Uh, you know, if everything breaks, it's your fault, but at least you have control over it. And you know, you're just, you're doing something that matters and making jobs. You know what I mean? Doing something. In the yeah. Economy. So that, I don't know. That's how I felt about it. Um, I'm yeah, not sure I'm answering sense. the question anymore. But, no, yeah. no, that's good. And then as far as um, like that all that all makes a lot of sense. And then as far as you said, you read like Mr. Money Mustache and yeah. price of other things like that. Uh, a lot of the FI, like financial independence blogs, I always think other than with a few exceptions, most of them, I always think don't talk about real estate enough. They always talk about like index yeah. funds, um, which are great. I mean, in a lot of ways, I wish I would have done more of that because index funds don't call you complaining about things that need to be fixed, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time, normally when I read financial independence stuff, my biggest criticism is they have all this information on this like index fund route, which they write pages and pages and pages, but really it probably doesn't even merit that many pages. It's, <laughs> I mean, they got to write something, right? But um, yeah, they're selling books, right? Yeah. But so if you were reading all those things as the primary way out, was it really just kind of business school and seeing other people that did real estate that kind of drew you towards that versus maybe like a more traditional five path, which would be um, like just high savings rate, put it in index funds, blah, 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 blah. So, so I was doing the former, right? Yeah. So I, I was lucky. My dad gave me advice. He's like, when you get your first job, you know, put 10% of your paycheck in your 401k before you even get your first paycheck. And you'll never even see the money and you'll never miss it kind of a thing, mm -hmm. right? Which was pretty interesting because I had like debt, you know, I had debt I was paying down. So it probably like, you know, wasn't actually the most, well, yeah, skip taxes. But anyway, uh, so I was lucky, I, you know, I had a bunch of that, that just worked for me. I, you know, I kind of got lucky and my wife did the same, I, you know, candidly, we both sort of got lucky that we, uh, made a very simple choice that was very passive that just like 10 years later, we woke up and it was like, oh, wow, that really worked. You know what I mean? Um, and then the thing that made me want to switch into real estate more actively I mean, yeah, it basically boils down to like three or four pieces of advice, right? Which is something like you need to figure out what you're spending, multiply by 25. That's what you need. Um, it, like about as simple as, and that's based on index funds, 4% return or 7% return, 3% inflation, blah, blah, blah. 
And then the second thing is like, okay, your major expenses are what you eat, where you live, and what you're driving. I mean, there's like maybe some travel depending on who you are, right? So uh, then we cleaned up our car. We got like a $100 lease on an EV that charged for free. We cleaned that up. We lowered our rent. And then, you know, it just became this optimization process for all that stuff. And yeah, I was like, look, if I could get paid to live somewhere, that would be great. And then um, I also think, you know, your, your very first house, like getting into a house hack, not paying rent. I mean, that's like, that's like a $2,000 a month decision that, you know, yeah. in terms of cash flow swing. So, I mean, that's, that's, it wasn't really, you know, once I learned about it or like thought about it more deeply, I was like, well, that's a no brainer for me. And we were actually looking at buy-in in California, even, you know, it was like whatever, 800,000 bucks. And it's, it's an appreciation market. Right. It wouldn't cash flowed. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, I mean, it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. I think, um, I think that house hacking wise is pretty much a no brainer if you're in the right position in life to do it. Like I should also say I changed my job entirely to move yeah. and decouple my income from my location. So I became a software developer from like a business PM kind of a guy. And that was, you know, I'd like took a haircut on a lot of what I was doing, but I knew part of my like FI thing, I want control of my life. And it was like, I want to be wherever I want to be. And I want more job opportunity and potential. Um, and that, that was part of the story too. That also really made the real estate really possible for me. Uh, because I also moved, right? I, yeah. I could have done it. I could have got a job at PNC or something, I'm sure. But yeah. So if I like your thoughts and motivations to do financial independence prompted you to actually move away from California to yep. Pittsburgh and where you bought, you know, your house hack type deal. Right. And really, I find that once you get that first property, which we'll talk about in the next episode, once you get that first property, your ability to save money is so it's like almost if you, if you take out your housing expense, it's like almost impossible to not save money. <laughs> if yeah. Especially you, if you do like a decent deal where, you know, maybe you leave like five, 10,000 after the refi. So then you're in, you're into it for 10,000, let's say after you fix everything up and refinance it. And then in theory, you're either not paying your mortgage, you know, your tenant pays your mortgage, or maybe you get some cash flow even. And it's like, Okay, for ten thousand bucks, I'm saving a thousand, two thousand bucks a month. I mean, you know, just the simple math. Like, what other business can you go do that? I, I yeah. don't know a single one in a year. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna borrow some money. So you need seventeen thousand dollars in one year. You're gonna get seven thousand back, and you're not gonna be spending money uh, on your rent anymore. Right. You know? or or let's say you you drop your rent by roughly a thousand, something like that. That's a, a good heuristic. I mean, so. So, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, honestly, I couldn't find another business that was going to do that for me. Right. Like I looked at vending machines. I looked at all kinds of dumb stuff and I was just like, look, why am I trying to be creative and like smart here? Like just Mm -hmm. do, do the thing that works. Just do the thing that works. Very simple. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's been a great lesson for me in real estate in, in general. Right. It's like, look, don't be some like trailblazer unless you have to. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some statistic about the number of millionaires in the United States, and it's like 80% made it through real estate. Or like even the Shark Tank folks, like Kevin O'Leary, 
he like bought a house in Toronto and then sold it for his first like 500 Dow or something. And then he parlayed yeah, that yeah. into a business. Yeah. Like all these people that start a business, you know, they have a house and then they take a home equity line out and they start a business, you know? So yeah. I also just think it, it creates a lot of optionality for you in like five to seven years. All right. You don't want to do real estate forever. Fine. Whatever. All right. Well, in seven years, you're going to have an asset you can take a loan against and then you can go do whatever you think you were. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you don't want the calls or whatever, you can just sell it and be done with it. But for that initial period, living in half a duplex or renting rooms out of a house or whatever, yeah, you really cut a lot out of your monthly budget. Even if you're still paying some money monthly to live, the few hundred dollars that you're doing it with, or even if you're in a high cost living area and you're paying a thousand, it's a lot cheaper than you would be spending if you actually bought a house or paid a lot for yeah. rent or whatever so house hacking is definitely the best way to start um yeah the other thing so after business school i actually like raised money to buy businesses so the idea was there's these like baby boomers that want to retire and they want to sell their old iron gate making build business or something right so we're going out i was talking to these guys you know one guy had a food delivery business one guy had an iron gate making business etc cetera, etc cetera. one guy had a marijuana uh business and um and uh, I basically realized like, oh my gosh, these businesses are not really good, but they own a factory in Los Angeles and the real <laughs> estate is like worth so much money. Not because yeah. they're geniuses or whatever, just because, you know, they were like floating in the ocean. They got hit by this wave that is the Los Angeles appreciation market 50 years ago. Right. And they had houses in like Venice Beach and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are places where people like would bend over backwards to live basically. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, you know, I bought the car, but I did a loan through the business. And it's like, okay, well, the loan through the business was really a loan against the real estate that they had, you know? And I just realized like, oh man, like, I mean, it all, it all started coming back to real estate, you know, or this guy had like some awesome business where it made a ton of cash flow. But even these guys who had very mediocre businesses had this real estate. And I was just like, okay, man, there's like too many, too many things are triangulating on like this real estate, you know, thing. I was like, I got to at least like learn more about it. And I need to have a, a strong level of conviction about why I'm not going to do it. So at first I was just like, oh, real estate, like that's just, you know, whatever. That's for other people basically is my, was my attitude. I didn't think it was right for me because if you do think about it, it's like, oh, I'm going to have this building and like the best use I got out of it is like $600 a month profit. That doesn't sound good. Like any other business would not be happy with that. But in real estate, it's actually totally fine. Because all the, you know, just how much cash is involved in the leverage and appreciation. So, yeah, I just, uh, I, honestly, I was just kind of a, like a biased snob. I thought about it all wrong. And then I was just an idiot, right? I was like this overeducated idiot where I thought I knew, I, you know, very typical NBA bullshit, honestly. <laughs> and, and then I was like, okay, well, you fool. If you're so smart, then why, like, why does this guy have a house in Venice Beach? And why does this guy, you know, go to Utah mountains and go hella skiing as part of his real estate company? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> well, that one might be a stretch, but <laughs> yeah, they were in hotels. Yeah. So they, they were quite successful, but yeah. Okay. Before COVID. Um, well, yeah, that's cool. So in summary, then you would say that <laughs> yeah. your motivations Sorry. were primarily like, you know, didn't see yourself working in a career forever. And then obviously then once you had a child, then your motivations are also, you know, I think anybody kind of gets that, like you want to have more time for your child and things like that too. Oh yeah. I mean, you just realize like, 
you know, when I die, none of these people care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like nobody's going to my funeral at work or wherever. You know what I mean? Oh, there's yeah. Like, there's like, well, yeah, hopefully not nobody, nobody. But you <laughs> know what I mean? you said that was like, nobody can care about me when I'm dead. Well, yeah. I mean, I just had this moment of like, I'm working hard for these people. Like I'm doing all this stuff. Like I'm literally trading time with my family for time with these other people, right? Especially I'm if you if you were a GE, then you were like at a big corporation where it's like nobody yeah. even. Yeah, blue and white shirts, punching with the time clock, blah blah blah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're part of the machine. It, even at every company I've been at, it's like that. You know, and the truth is, you're just selling your time, right? You're selling your time for money. Uh, maybe you have some upside if you do. I'm happy for you, but you probably don't. You know, it's ten percent or something silly that makes you feel like it's a lot, but it's not. <laughs> It's just enough to keep you where you're at. And uh, and yeah, it was like, well, I don't want to do that. I and then you would say you started out with kind of the index fund type route and then mm-hmm. shifted to real estate more mm-hmm. just because you saw other people, you know, examples of people who were, I guess, using that to drive wealth in a much more serious way than maybe what you thought you could chip away with, with just saving from your income um so i actually think of like my first real estate investment as an expense management thing right so this is what i pay in rent i'm just going to lot that expense off so even if even if you're like a, i believe in index funds kind of person i still think you should run a house hack i really do i mean if you're if you're like a true fi person and you want to minimize because you also have to do the fi stuff right so i'm going to spend a thousand dollars a month on rent right multiply that by 12 multiply that by 25 so I don't know what that number is. I'm not smart enough, right? But if you go do a house hack, that's just how much you added to your net worth. Boom. The end. Plus, yeah. by the way, you should actually have net worth spinning out of the house hack, right? You should have cash flow. You should have appreciation. You should have principal payout. So, I mean, we're talking at least $100,000 on how you're doing it in a year. That's so what I, a lot of people miss too, what you mentioned. Um a lot of people miss when they're new. They focus like pretty much just on cash flow. But really, cash flow is just like you can think of it almost like a dividend on a stock where it's like it's great to have it, but and you obviously want it to happen, but that's not how you're getting rich. Like generally speaking, like a dividend on a stock, you might get I don't even know what the last one I looked at was. A very small amount of money per stock as a dividend like oh yeah it just depends what the stock is but yeah. yeah but um the real total return on your property is going to be the principal pay down which is usually being paid for by your tenants in a house hack you have right. the appreciation on the property which you should never strictly invest for appreciation but when you look at the end of the day that's one of the bigger wealth generators yeah. You have the rent appreciation too that's always helping that kind of drives more cash flow. And then you can even look at it as like if you take the cash flow and you're not spending it and you're reinvesting it somehow, you can even look at a return on your like reinvested cash flow. Like that's what we do. We take our we've been taking our cash flow and either investing it in other buildings or investing it in index funds to kind of compound those returns. Yeah. So like there's a lot around it that's more than just the simple cash flow. So yeah, and for me, I just did that math. I'm like, look, if you're spending a thousand a month on rent, you multiply that by twelve, and then multiply that by twenty five to get your net worth required to pay my rent number. That's three hundred thousand bucks. So yeah. in a year, 
you know, you're not going to add actually $300,000 of net worth to your thing, but you're going to, you're going to remove $300,000 from your FI number, right? The number of net worth you need to retire. That's, I mean, go find me a business that's going to do that for you. Go find me a job that's going to do that for you. Yeah. Forget for it. Sure. So, what, I mean, let's start to talk about it at a certain point. Just go do it, you idiots. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tough love here from John. I, yeah. uh, what I was going to say was that actually, it seemed, we were originally going to do this as a combined episode, but I think now we should probably do this as a part two. Yeah, now that I call everybody with, idiots. With you gotta separate yourself. Yeah, now I got I to gotta get everybody, give them a week of to cool down. Yeah. <laughs> you go. Sorry, but no, buddy. so then I'll what would down. you say like your biggest... Uh, you know, just biggest takeaway for people would be as far as getting motivated to actually pull the trigger on, on starting kind of their FI journey. Um, I mean, the first thing you do is do your numbers in my opinion. Right. I mean, it can be depressing if you have a lot of debt, but to me, that's always the first step, like just be super honest and right. Everybody's going to retire at 65 unless you think what you figure out what you're actually going to do. So go figure out your FI number, you know, go figure out how much you need based on what your spending is and see, are you know, what are you going to retire with? What do you need? And then from there, just attack your expenses is honestly my, my opinion. Right. So, and if housing is a major expense for you, which I think it is for almost everyone, I think you should strongly consider real estate as a way to offset some of that housing expense. Specifically uh, house hacking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and perhaps moving to a cheaper market, like as somebody that did it, would you recommend that, you know, if people aren't tied for some reason of like family or whatever to a particular area that they consider moving from a more expensive market if they can? Maybe. I mean, I have a friend who's still in California and he just does deals out of San Antonio and he's actually outpacing me with his portfolio at this point. So okay. it is it, really specific I, I think that's a very big recommendation to make to somebody but i can tell you yeah if you're super flexible and you have no cash yeah that's the way to go about it right move to some low cost of living area you're going to get into some deal for like low low money down and yeah you can go do that you yeah. know if you got if you got 30 to fifty thousand bucks that you can invest yeah you can go do one of these uh out-of-state deals and i think it's you know you don't have to disrupt your life as much you know so you get a wife and three kids yeah i mean i understand that's you know, that's a serious change, right? But yeah, you're, you know, you're Joey as, Bag of Donuts that's 22 and has some grandpa money or whatever. As yeah, a man. real estate guy, though, let's do as it. A, as a real estate guy, though, there's no amount of money you could pay me to invest in some of these like California cities and big areas and stuff. I've pulled my hair out with all the tenant favorable type stuff. Oh, but, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not telling you to do California. I'm telling you oh, to, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, just do but a hands-off saying... investment. So, okay. Well, yeah, I Florida, guess. Florida, um, Texas, whatever. Florida man. You'll, Florida have, all man. The, you'll have all the throwback stories. Hmm. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, let's uh, we'll pick up with my part in part two. And then uh, so everybody will have to wait a week for this right. serial serial style story so to speak right. journey to five things so yeah where can they find out more about us look you already found the podcast obviously so subscribe good job yeah tony you're all over the internet Alexis, but you can call us 412-212-8366 we answer every call some people we call back directly if they have an urgent issue so 
Uh, don't call us about your medical issues, obviously. But yeah, where can they Not find you, John? Area of expertise. At 412 Agent, uh, you can find the show on the YouTube. So I think if you just find my YouTube, that's where I post it. I'm, I'm we're bad with the uh, we'll, we'll polish that up. Yeah, yeah. the media generation. <laughs> But um, follow me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm under my name, but everywhere else is 412 Agent. Bigger Pockets, I'm there too. So, All right, 412 Agent, Tony Angotti, A-N-G-O-T-T-I. You got it, everybody. All right, peace out. Tune in next week for his life story. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Part of it.